Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Alex is an entrepreneur, he's an author, he's an executive coach and a board advisor. He has built, scaled, and exited companies in Europe and Canada, and he's led client projects across the world. So he has a lot of vast expertise. He's got a book in the works. He's got some live events coming up. So he's all about it, and he's the go-to guy with business strategy. So Alex, welcome to Pencil Leadership today. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to dive into this. Uh, We can always improve our strategies, I think. So (laughs) looking forward to learning from you and hopefully bringing some good nuggets to the folks listening out there. So you're in Canada right now, right? That's correct. Have you always been in Canada? No, sir. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to guess, and I could be way off. Did you stem from or did your family come from Germany? That's correct. That's where I'm originally from. I actually only moved to Canada Right at the beginning of 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. How do you like Canada compared to Germany? It's a very different country. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't even say it's a country. It's so massively huge. So right. because of the pandemic, we haven't traveled too much within Canada. I basically only know the lower mainland in British Columbia. So the area around Vancouver, which is a nice place to be if there is not a heat wave or a flooding <laughs> or a tornado or unexpected half a meter of snow. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. They get all of that up there, don't they? Oh, uh, man. I was going to say, yeah, das ist gut, but that is not good. No, that so. is not the good part. And I don't know much for German. It's, it's, so. <laughs> honestly speaking, apart from the weather, which is kind of, I'm getting used to still, mm-hmm. but apart from that, I've enjoyed living here a lot good. because the society is more open and is more welcoming than mm. I would have expected. So I always loved coming to Canada for vacation And my girlfriend has family here. She's originally from Canada. So it was always kind of visiting family for me. But when we came here, I realized that it's not just the family that makes this welcoming for us. It's how people treat each other. And there is a distinct difference comparing Canada to every other place I've lived (laughs) in the world. Yeah, I bet. And I've been to Toronto once and it was nice. It was, I didn't have any issues and just cool to see so many different cultures there in Toronto, especially too, which is neat. And I've been to Netherlands, I've been to China, I've been Mexico. And so I love learning about culture and other people's homes and how they live. And so it's really neat to see that in kind of one little area. I'm sure you've taken things from each culture, maybe or each area. And so I guess with that, where do you start? We're going to jump right into it. When you're trying to build a strategy for your business, where should we start? I basically tell the story of how I built my own because that is how I actually help my clients. So I'm not talking theoretically about frameworks or tools or processes or structures. I actually do that stuff for my own business. So the first thing that I did when I came to Canada, I left behind a business in Europe. So Mm. I basically started from scratch. I needed to think about Who is my ideal client? What are the services that I offer? How do I reach out to them? How do I build a community around the content that I create for people? Mm -hmm. And it's very, very difficult when you build a personal brand business. Let's not say it's difficult. It's different than building a company as such that is, let's say, not revolving around a person's brand. Mm -hmm. 
Why do I say that? Because most of us have never built a personal brand business. Most of us have grown up in other companies as employees. We saw how to do business in a corporate environment, for example. And once we decide, hey, this particular piece here, I know this very well. I think I can build a business around that. And you set out to be on your own. You need to decide whether you build a personal brand business or you build a company that does not necessarily have you and your brand and your face Mm. front and center. So it's this decision in the very beginning that people often are not aware of because you embark on two completely different journeys depending on that decision. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. The process that you need to go through is more or less the same. It's just a completely different journey in terms of how you create content, how you engage people in a community. Okay. So how would people or how would you kind of direct or guide people when they're starting out to decide, hey, are you going to do a personal brand or do you going to create something apart from kind of your image? How do you guide people along that decision? I think it depends heavily on what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. If you are, let's say, the absolute expert in a certain area, you can start as a personal brand business and then build the company around you or behind you. So your face might always be the personal brand, But as you grow, you need more people on board. You can't Mm. do everything on your own. At some point in time, hopefully, your business is so successful that you need to outsource certain kinds of work. And then you realize you outsource more and more. And then you realize, hmm, sometimes it might make sense to insource it again, but to hire (laughs) staff. So it depends on where you are in the level of maturity of your business. When you made the decision to build a personal brand business, that already means you are the expert in something. Because otherwise, if you start a certain service, certain startup, let's say it's tech-based, then it's not you. It's the tech that sits at the center, right? So it's a different decision. Once you've made that decision, the journey that you go through, the strategic journey that you need to go through in order to understand where you want to be in the future is basically the same. So it doesn't matter whether you're a personal brand business or whether you build something different. You need to understand where you want this venture to be in two to three years, maybe even in five. That's what we often call a vision, a vision statement. Mm -hmm. And that is not a fancy marketing claim that you should write down. No one cares about your vision. You need to care about that vision. So it's about becoming very, very specific about how your business should look like. And I'm I'm not talking only about number of money that you want to make. So the revenue that you make, the ideal clients you work with, that's all part of that. But there is way more than that. Let's say you time travel and then in two or three years, you take a snapshot of your business. What is it that you want to see? What does the business? Whom do you work for? How does it feel? It's that level of detail that you need. Because only if you're clear on where you want to drive this toward, you can actually reverse engineer the Hmm. actions and steps that you need to take in order to get there. Yeah, It's very easy to just write down a claim and that's it then. It's a claim, <laughs> nothing else. You need to make this claim. You break it down into key pieces, into priorities. Mm-hmm. And that's what you then do every day when you bring your vision into action. And there are certain steps that you can go through. You write your vision first. Then you identify the key areas in that vision, the key elements. You ask yourself, how can I actually measure that I'm getting there? that I'm getting to that desired state. And then you ask yourself, okay, if that's a measuring criteria, how often should I measure that? Measuring just for the sake of measuring doesn't make sense. But from time to time, like two or three times a year, 
sitting down, undisturbed work, just strategic work, not operational work, and ask yourself, how am I doing on my journey to that vision? Mm. Where do I need to adjust? And that's where your key performance indicators, your measuring criteria, really help you understand where you can adjust and what are the screws that you can move and basically use as a dashboard kind of Mm -hmm. to see whether you are moving into that direction where you want to move or whether you're actually moving somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. And that's great. Cause I think we have to understand where we're going. We have to have that vision, like you said, but that's not something like you need to write down or post because no one really cares. That's your vision. And then being able to understand what it takes to get to that vision. It's like kind of what I speak to people about is, you know, you've got to see the mountaintop, you know, you're climbing to that peak. That's where you want to go. But if you're not kind of seeing the path, okay, you know, I need to go Northeast through there. And then if you don't look down at where you're walking in the moment, Every time you could slip, you could fall, you could trip over something. And so I think it's kind of the same kind of thing. You got to understand where you're going and the direction and then where you need to step each time to move forward into that vision. And the magic happens when you take those measuring criteria that you have Mm -hmm. defined because they show you whether you stay on track or not. If you then ask yourself, okay, let's move this into action. What do I need to do to move the needle into the right direction? And all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, it becomes very, very clear to you what you do day in and day out and what you stop doing day in and day out. You have a finite number of hours every day, and you better invest them into the priorities that you define to move the needle. Yeah. So this famous Eisenhower matrix, things that are urgent and important, right? It all of a sudden becomes obsolete because you don't do unimportant stuff anymore Mm. you only work on your priorities and if you take your time to do them and to work with that mindset and with that structure right from the get-go you basically avoid to work in that urgent category altogether because you never get under the bus Mm -hmm. nothing can actually just run you over and you're like oh my god i wish i had thought of that (laughs) those things might happen but they are on a much smaller scale They are not like threatening a business because Mm. you've thought it through. You know where you want to go and everything that you do pays into that strategy. When I use the term strategy, what I actually mean is the trident of Mm. a vision statement, the KPIs to measure whether you're moving towards it and the priorities that you define in order to move the needle. Mm. So that's what I call a strategy. Everything else is like tactics and stuff like that is super important on a day-to-day basis, but that's not strategy. I think that's what people often confuse. They confuse day-to-day tactics and operations with strategic work and strategic thinking. So what I basically help entrepreneurs and experts do is understand their strategy, write down their strategy. And that often is, well, it's always like, aha, interesting. (laughs) So they are typically extremely good. That's why Uh they're experts. They're extremely good at a certain area, either at writing copy for websites, high conversion copy, or they are really great at another field of marketing, for example. All the coaches out there that have a certain coaching business, they are really, really good at something. Most of them have not grown up in an environment where they were constantly challenged to think and act strategically. That's what I bring. That's my expertise. So that's what I can help people understand and therefore actually move the needle massively on their financial success and on how fulfilled the life is that they live. Because all of a sudden, you're completely focused on the things that matter to you and everything else you just let go. You don't Mm. even ask yourself, oh, that's a nice opportunity. That's interesting what that person over there does. Should I also do that? 
you don't ask yourself those questions <laughs> anymore because you already know that you won't do that stuff. It doesn't mm. matter to you. So it's all about focus and priorities in the end. So with that, that's interesting. And I think there is a lot of, you know, quote unquote fat that we could cut in our business that, you know, doesn't really the fluff, all that extra that aren't moving the needles. Like you say, if people are thinking about, okay, you know, I have my strategy, you know, Alex is talking about this. Do I have the wrong strategy? Do I have the wrong KPI things that I'm trying to measure? Am I not doing the right things? Am I just having all these tasks that are adding up? Exactly. How can people differentiate? I know you say it has to do with your vision, breaking it down, but is there a way you can explain like maybe those listening, trying to figure that out, how they can make sure they're actually doing what matters and not yeah. doing stuff that doesn't. I think without having that clear vision written down, you can ask yourself, does my day in and day out actually feel like I'm turning the wheels all the mm -hmm. time that I'm just working and hustling and doing and putting in the hours? And then I take a look at the end of the month. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have a paycheck, so I just look what's left, kind of. <laughs> is that actually what I expect? Is that what I need in order to live the life that I want to live? Or am I feeling that I'm just constantly putting in more, giving more than I get back? So Got if it. that's a prevalent feeling, you already have the answer. Yeah. You're stuck in busy work, not mm -hmm. in strategic work. Okay. So if we've got the strategic, or maybe we're trying to create the vision, I'd like to hear your answer on this. So, I mean, obviously revenue could be part of the vision, lifestyle, part of the vision. What are some other things that could make a good vision statement? Because I'm sure that we could even write our vision wrong and be too generic or too, you know, yes. out there. So what makes a good vision statement for us? So most people I work with, I just ask them to write a vision statement based on a certain guideline that I have. And we'll talk about that probably later. On my website, you can download a free toolkit that actually guides you through that process that I just explained. And that gives you some ideas of how to write a vision statement. Mm -hmm. So often vision statements are way too fluffy. There is nothing really tangible in it. That's not what you want. You want to make it concrete and graspable. And that is true when it comes to where do you play? Whom do you play with? How does your business operate for the greater good of your community, society, the environment? What is it that it's kind of informed by your purpose? So how does your purpose as a human being, what you want to leave behind when you leave this place, what do you want to be known for? Mm. And that it informs the type of vision that you write. So if your vision does not reflect your purpose, something's off. It needs to find its way into your vision statement. So you ask yourself, how does working with me feel? What do my clients say about working with me? What do my competitors say about having me? Do I make this a fun game or am I just a nightmare, right? So a lot of different angles that you can come from to inform what you write into a vision statement. Now, in the end, very often we end up with something like six, seven, eight sentences that are super specific. Mm -hmm. But when we set out to write them, it's like, just imagine I would try curling, this weird Canadian sport. Yeah. That would not work. Why? <laughs> because I've never done it before. I know there is a piece that they let slide over the ice and then they take some kind of brooms <laughs> to make it go in a certain direction in a certain right. way. I could never do that. I would probably break my back doing that. <laughs> and that same is true if you, for the first time ever, let your expert goggles down and put your strategic goggles on. Mm. It will look weird. It mm -hmm. will feel weird for you to write a vision statement because you've never done it before. Yeah. So that's where a certain guideline is super helpful in order to get that down on paper. And then it's an iterative process. Okay. Now, can that vision, can, I guess, that vision statement ever 
change? Oh, yes, of course. Okay. I uh, because at some point in time, you might realize that what you wrote down in your vision statement is not really you. It either doesn't resonate with your purpose. You might thought it would be. And mm -hmm. as you go, you realize it's just not. It does not feel right for you. So then you adjust it here and there. You don't throw it overboard, right? Mm -hmm. You don't write an entirely new vision statement, but you adjust it here and there. And some of my clients, they actually don't write vision statements for the next five years. They only write 12-month vision statements. So okay. inherently, over the next 12 months, they hopefully reach that vision. So that's where I help them get to that goal. But sometimes you are faster than you think. And sometimes... Mm some areas of that vision you never reach. So yeah. it's a constant process where you from time to time sit down and ask yourself, okay, next 12 months, next 24 months, how does that need to evolve? However, what doesn't change typically is your purpose. Yeah, Your purpose in life that informs that vision statement, especially when you're a personal brand business or a small company owner where you are like in the center of the company. Mm -hmm. If your purpose changes over time, which is normal, it can change, it can evolve, then reflect it in your vision. But it mm. typically doesn't turn upside down or change right. 180 degrees. Okay, I think that's good. Because I mean, you think a vision statement, you know, my next five years, you know, I could hit those milestones and then you'd have to create something different. And so yes. that's good. I'm glad we covered that. So with that, do you kind of see some of your clients or people you talk to doing some of the same things that really is extra? Is there something like a shiny object out there right nowadays that people kind of are leaning towards that really, for the majority, is just extra right now? Have you noticed anything like that or is it just case by case? I'm not 100% sure I know what you mean with extra. So your clients come to you and they're all doing this certain thing because they've heard someone talk about it and it's really yeah. not moving their vision forward, but it's just the extra work, busy yes. work. It's very often when you take a look at the next idea or big trend on social media mm. all of a sudden everyone like a few months ago everyone started pointing at certain stuff yeah. you've seen these recent yeah. videos uh -huh. on social media right uh -huh. and you're like what the hell <laughs> this is just ridiculous guys don't do that stuff be you don't yeah. try to imitate someone else even if you have fun with it by all means go for it but 90 of the people that do it you see how uncomfortable they feel when they do it Yeah. But they just do it because it seems to be the next trend and you got to go with the trends. That's what they think often. Mm. Unfortunately, and this is just an example, of course, for people that do not have a clear strategy, be it a social media strategy or be it a bit overarching business strategy. If you don't know what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it, mm. then you're susceptible to all kinds of external influences. And everything that you see, every trend becomes an opportunity yep. and you put time into it. And it's just time that's wasted because mm -hmm. you could have used it for actually knowing your priorities and doing something about them and implementing them. For sure. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, and I've been there, gotten caught up in, you know, the shiny object stuff early in my journey and things like that. And guess the point It's just like, None of this matters. Like, I know what matters. I know what's moving the needle forward. I know that. Like, everything else is just extra, like you said. And it's like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to. Honestly, wanna... Chris, I make those mistakes. Yeah. Time and again. Yeah. I'm not perfect. God right. knows. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just those things that happen. And you ask yourself, should I do this now? And sometimes you just don't know better. 
You have your strategy written down. You know what your priorities are. Then something comes around the corner that is like, I have no idea how that fits or does not fit into my strategy mm. because it's something new. For example, Clubhouse. new technology that's available. <laughs> so for example, when blockchain grew and uh, grew and I'm like, how does that influence my business? I don't know. Right. So I don't know whether this is a shiny object or not because I have no idea what it is. I need to mm. get my head around it first. So those moments happen, but you reduce them from 100 to maybe three a year. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And the good thing is because you have your priorities straight, you actually have the time to think left and right when those technology shifts or those infliction points come mm -hmm. to you. For example, you run a local butcher shop. A competitor of yours goes bust. So mm. this is nothing that you can have written down in your strategy because you have no idea whether this happens or not. This is completely theoretical. But when it happens, you have an opportunity to consolidate a market. But since you have your strategy written down, you know whether taking over that butcher shop is actually serving your priorities and helping you to get to your vision faster or not. Hmm. But because you have everything in place, you do have the time and the resources to actually think about it and make it an informed decision rather than just making a decision Rash, on the go. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point because if we don't know where we're going or we don't know where we want to go and how to get there, when these new opportunities arise, we're not adequately prepared to deal with them or be a part of it or, you know, whatever it is, we could miss a good opportunity because of it, or, you know, we could decide we're going to jump on the trend and it could just be a time drain. So I think exactly. that's a crucial thing within the strategy for business owners to think about. Is there anything else that from your expertise, people should know when trying to build their strategy besides having a clear vision statement and reverse engineering that? Are there other critical components we might not have hit on yet? I think it is with other areas in your life that you touch for the first time. Mm -hmm. You should be aware that you just don't know everything <laughs> and that you should not beat yourself over the head when things don't go perfectly in the first shot. Especially yeah. when it comes to strategy, there is no such thing as perfect. That does not exist. So you should rather move right. fast than wait for perfect. Mm. I always tell my clients, and especially the big corporate clients that are sometimes like super tankers, I always uh -huh. urge them, guys, this is an 80% ready strategy. You see that, right? And they go like, yeah, it's pretty good. That's not good enough. And I'm like, when would you know that it is good enough? <laughs> and they're like, uh, I guess we would never know because you can always do something else and something different and tweak it here and there and do another study and another analysis. Like, yeah, exactly that. Mm -hmm. But the time that you need in order to conduct those analysis, to conduct further, to move the needle from, let's say, 90% ready to 92% ready, another three months are gone. So just do it and learn mm -hmm. on the go. It's completely different to have an 80% ready strategy and go and learn as you go and adjust than standing at the start and designing, 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 making it look better and look better. Mm -hmm. Strategy that does look great is completely useless. You need to implement strategy in order to make it useful. And I rather mm -hmm. have you take everything you have and run full force with an 85% ready strategy and learn as you go and adjust as you go, then stay at the start, looking at your beautiful strategy, being proud of it, but you actually have never implemented anything. <laughs> 
I think that's a really good point that you make there is, you know, just starting, like getting it to a place that, and you know, it actually will not just fall apart. Like you said, the 80% prepared strategy and just doing it. I think when I first started out, like I wanted to implement things and I was like, no, 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 it's not perfect. Like it's not, it needs to be better. It needs to be better. And it's like nothing ever gets started. And so, yeah, I've personally learned through that. Now it's just like, all right, this is what we need to do. You know? Yeah. Like 80%, like you said, it's there. Let's do it. And then let's tweak it as we go. Let's learn. Let's make it better. Because yeah, I mean, time's our biggest ally, but also our thing that goes the quickest. And so if we can't get started, you're losing a lot of ground with just waiting for it to be at that next level. So I think this has been a really good, clear episode, a lot of information on starting that strategy, that vision, that reverse engineering it, you know, actually starting. One thing that you did mention early on that I wanted to circle back, I made note of here is you said, and this will kind of be the last kind of main question we talk about, but one thing when you're starting is narrowing to your ideal client. You kind of mentioned that at the beginning. What do you tell people if they come and they say, I don't want to narrow in. I don't want to be specific because I, I'm not going to, and I've been there and I've heard it and being specific, I'm not going to do very well because I'm going to be cornered in. Like, how do you kind of counter that? And why is it so important to narrow in? Let me put it that way. When you have a bakery and a cafe, people walk by. They walk by because they live there. They don't have any other option, right? So if they want coffee, if they want a bread, they come to your place. Now for stationary businesses, that might work. Your ideal client persona is actually everyone who wants a coffee or a bread. It's awesome. But (laughs) everything else that is not a stationary business needs to find and engage their ideal client in a way that it adds value to that client. Mm. And everyone knows that you cannot be everything to everyone. It just doesn't work. I needed to understand that my ideal client is different now than it used to be five years ago. It took me a lot of energy and effort to let go because I really loved working around the world with large global corporations. I loved that. Not because of the perks, but because of the people, the special type Mm -hmm. of people that I worked with. And I knew once I started my business here in Canada that I would focus more on taking what I've learned over 20 years of building businesses to package it in a way that it helps people that do not have an academic background in business management, I knew I would have to narrow down on my ideal client. That meant I needed to let go of the people in those large corporations that I love working so much. It's okay to let go if you know where you go to at the same time. Mm -hmm. As I said to you, I just didn't know better. So I found someone who helped me with it, who is an expert on creating a niche Mm. that person helped me understand that by not narrowing my niche down, I actually lose 100% of the market because no one sees themselves in my offering. Hmm. By narrowing down and niching in, I actually created a mirror, especially for that target group that I want to serve because they realized, hey, that's me. That person (laughs) understands me. He gets me. He can actually help me. So I'm not just talking about it. I'm living it. I find people that help me with all kinds of work because I'm not the expert. But what I can tell you is the moment you don't niche in, you lose 100% of the market. The moment you niche in and you can niche in as much as you want, there will always be thousands of people left. Yep. If you find those, you will live a happy life and with a very profitable business. Mm-hmm. But you need to make that leap. You need to niche in and let go of the 99% of the market you cannot and want not serve. 
that's a good point. And kind of I've heard is, you know, you narrow down and you help a specific audience. And as you grow, that's when you can start to broaden out is yeah. when you have the ability to pay to reach those people, basically. But starting out, you know, the riches are in the niches kind of thing. And <laughs> I just wanted to come back on that because I've had conversations with multiple people. You know, I don't want to narrow in. And so I just wanted to hit on that. But Alex, I appreciate you being on today and sharing all this great information kind of to round things off, the fifth trait of pencil leadership is that we're all created uniquely with a purpose to leave a positive mark on the world. So with that being said, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? I actually hope that I have contributed to building businesses that are not only in the business to make profits. I want to help entrepreneurs to build a business that creates a positive ripple effect in our societies, in our communities, in the environment. And that is one thing that I'm super passionate about, environmental protection and the role that businesses can play in that. And the other thing is helping to cure terminal childhood brain cancers. Basically, those are the two reasons, the two purposes that I have in life. And I use my own business in order to further those causes. So if you guys listening out there, if you don't have any other plans, come join me for my summit. It's called Legacy, the premier strategic business event. It's running on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of February. And we talk about how you can actually build a business for profit that creates an impact and that helps you live the life you want to live. There are 40 plus experts from Harvard Business School professors to entrepreneurs that share their story. The entire event is not for profit. It doesn't cost you anything to be there. If you want to contribute, you're more than welcome. All the contributions actually go to those two causes, to environmental protection and childhood brain cancer research. That's amazing. And love that mark that you're leaving on the world. And that ripple started with you, Alex, and it's going to continue on, which is amazing. So where can people connect with you? Where can they find more information about your event and more about your coaching and everything? Opportunities on my website, alexthestrategist.com. You have everything right at the landing page from my free toolkit that I mentioned to the signup page for Legacy. And of course, everything that a website needs to hold. You can also learn more about me. You can learn about building a business. There's tons of free resources there from podcast episodes to blog articles that I write, business health checks, whatever you need in order to get the ball rolling. Awesome. Make sure you check that out, get to his website, connect with Alex and take advantage of all the free things, the free resources he's putting out there for you. And again, Alex, I really do appreciate you taking time out and being on Pencil Leadership today and really cherish this episode. So thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, not only for this episode, but for all the work that you do. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.